In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As I did yesterday, I will preach here in the church. It's far more fitting than preaching in my office, especially because then we were able to make a spiritual communion together at the end of the sermon before our Lord in the Most Blessed Sacrament. Today is a Tuesday in the fourth week of Lent, and the gospel, which I've commented on in past years, is my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. It's very fitting that we should have this Mass today, because it is also the feast of St. Gabriel the Archangel, and the vigil, as it were, of the Annunciation, which is, of course, why his feast comes the day before the Feast of the Annunciation. St. Augustine, preaching on the Gospel of the Feria today, explains that these mysterious words of our Lord, my teaching is not mine, what can this mean except, he says, in that Christ is his own teaching. Who is it who sent the Father, who sent the Son, if not the Father? And the teaching that is sent is nothing other than Christ himself, that is, the Word of God. And so it is most fitting on this very that we also celebrate today the Feast of St. Gabriel, the angel of the Word, the angel of the Incarnation. Now, on the universal calendar, St. Gabriel did not have his own feast, until the early 20th century. Of the three archangels whom we celebrate on the calendar, St. Michael is the only one with an ancient feast. St. Raphael and St. Gabriel were placed much later, only in modern times, as their own feast. In his very beautiful office, though, we are reminded that he made three apparitions. He was sent on three missions regarding the Incarnation, which is what we refer to and chant in the three nocturnes of the Office of Matins for his feast. Of course, we know that he appeared to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and that is what we will celebrate, especially tomorrow. We know as well that he appeared beforehand to Zachary to announce the birth of John the Baptist. But what we might forget is that he also appeared many centuries before to a prophet, that is, to the prophet Daniel. I promised you a couple weeks ago that we would reach this point, for we heard the beginning of this prophecy on Monday in the second week of Lent when we read in the epistle from the ninth chapter of Daniel, Daniel's prayer on behalf of his people in exile. I explained to you on that day that the words we have on that day are in the text immediately followed by the appearance of the angel Gabriel and then the celebrated prophecy of the 70 weeks. That then is what we must speak of today. It shows the importance of the Feast of St. Gabriel because, in fact, this is the only time in the Roman liturgy 
that we find the prophecy of the 70 weeks contained in the liturgy. It is even in the Mass itself. Not only did we read it this morning in the night office, but even in the Mass itself. And so I'll now read you a portion, because this prophecy is, according to St. Jerome, the most important. Although the prophecy of Isaiah regarding the Incarnation is the most sublime, nevertheless, the most important is that made to Daniel by the angel Gabriel, for it gives us all the details, right down to the date of the coming of Christ. The angel Gabriel appearing to the prophet Daniel says, Mark the word and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are shortened upon your people and upon your holy city. The transgression may be finished, and sin may have an end, and iniquity may be abolished, and everlasting justice may be brought, and vision and prophecy may be fulfilled, and the saint of saints may be anointed. Know, therefore, and take notice, that from the going forth of the word to build up Jerusalem again to Christ the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. And the street shall be built again in the walls and straightness of times. And after sixty-two weeks, Christ shall be slain. And the people that shall deny him shall not be his. And a people with their leader shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be waste, and after the end of the war, the appointed desolation. This mysterious prophecy then speaks of 70 weeks. It speaks of seven, then 62, and then a final week. First of all, it's important to remember that in the Hebrew, the word for week is simply sheva, which is nothing other than the word seven. Therefore, it is 70 sevens. And so it has always been understand, understood by all interpreters as weeks of years. So not decades, but weeks of years. That is, series of sevens. Seven is so important in the Hebrew language. that We have series of sevens. So that makes 490 years. 490 years, then, is how we must calculate the importance of this prophecy. In speaking about this, which I only do briefly here, could, could be the subject of a very long conference, indeed an entire course, I make reference to the work of an important Italian cardinal, Cardinal Francesco Bargongini Duca, who wrote in the beginning of the 20th century. He wrote a monumental work on the subject of this prophecy, the type of which is translated to English as the 70 weeks of Daniel and the Messianic dates. And it was published, it was never translated into English as such, at least not as far as I know. However, a very short abridgment was published under the direction of Cardinal Spellman, entitled simply Messianic Chronology and Daniel. It's a very short précis of the work of Cardinal Duca, and even the short précis, though, does include, at the end, a very detailed table of all the findings of Cardinal Duca on the prophecy of Daniel. 
The reason why I bring it up especially is because I know this sermon is being recorded. I know especially that it is published on Census Fidelium, and so I hope if people are listening, and if they have any comments in this regard, I would be very grateful for any further information you can provide me on any work that has been done since the time of Cardinal Duca, anything else that could be contributed to what might be a future conference on this subject. For now, though, I make the point that in the great work of Cardinal Duca, which I must admit I have not read through entirely, but I'm still making my way through, he discusses all the different interpretations of the Fathers on the 70 weeks. And what is important is to note that all these different interpretations nevertheless arrive at the same conclusion overall, which is that calculating these 490 years from the time of the decree of Artaxerxes to rebuild the temple, which is what is referred to here in the prophecy explicitly, calculating 490 years, we do arrive certainly at the time of Jesus Christ. And that explains, of course, why at the time of Christ, at the time of his birth, we hear everyone asking, where is the Messiah? And wondering if he might be the Messiah. Because everyone knew that the time of the fulfillment of the 70 weeks had come. Cardinal Duca, however, goes much further in his calculations, claiming that in the prophecy of Daniel we can determine everything very precisely. The date of the Annunciation, the birth of Christ, Good Friday, and so on, all the way up to the destruction of the temple, which concludes the prophecy. We cannot arrive at any conclusions about all that today in this short sermon, but I wish to point it out because of the importance of the word anointing. This is what we hear in the prophecy. The prophecy begins with the going forth of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of Christ the Prince, that is, to the coming of the anointed one, the Prince. This is to take place, it says, there is to be an anointing. Part of the prophecy, what is what, part of what will take place is the anointing of the saint of saints. What can this mean? It is very intimately tied to the feast that we celebrate today, and especially tomorrow, the Annunciation. This idea of the anointing of Christ. When we think of the anointing of Christ, we think of his baptism in the Jordan, for the Gospels speak in this way, of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah when our Lord is baptized. The Spirit of the Lord has upon, is upon me, therefore he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. This is certainly true. However, we may also understand, and if I recall correctly, Cardinal Duca does understand in this way that the anointing can refer actually to the moment of the Annunciation. Remember that our Lord is our high priest, and so his anointing, and it is very important to remember this and meditate upon it as we prepare for Passion Tide, our Lord has been anointed as our high priest and our victim. All men who are anointed to the priesthood of Christ receive the character on their souls for all eternity from receiving the sacrament of holy orders, and they are anointed as part of the ceremony of ordination. With Christ, who is our high priest, 
We are only participants in his one true priesthood. He is our high priest. And his anointing is not from receiving the sacrament of holy orders as such. No, the moment of our Lord's anointing is in fact the moment when the incarnation took place. It is the moment when the eternal Godhead, the divine word, took upon himself human flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Thus the Feast of the Annunciation can also be called the Feast of the Eternal Word's priestly ordination. For from the moment that he took on himself human flesh, he became the mediator between God and men. He became the eternal high priesthood and indeed the victimhood, interceding at every moment for our salvation until the end of time. This is the mystery which we will recall in the Epistle to the Hebrews on this coming Sunday, on Passion Sunday, the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. It is for this reason, then, it is for great theological importance that the Church has this Feast of St. Gabriel now on the eve of the Annunciation and always during Lent, then, right before or during Passion Tide, as we place ourselves in mercy and adoration for Jesus Christ our eternal high priest, whose incarnation made really present for us until the end of time and all the altars of the world in the blessed Eucharist, intercedes for us and obtains our salvation. Let us close then, dear faithful, with our spiritual communion. At thy feet, O my Jesus, I prostrate myself, and I offer thee repentance of my contrite heart, which is humbled in its nothingness, and in thy holy presence. I adore thee in the sacrament of thy love, the ineffable Eucharist. I desire to receive thee into the poor dwelling that my heart offers thee. While waiting for the happiness of sacramental communion, I wish to possess thee in spirit. Come to me, O my Jesus, since I, for my part, am coming to thee. May thy love embrace my whole being in life and in death. I believe in thee, I hope in thee, I love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.